Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. I think it was early last month, the NCAA convention, and the the committee came up with some bullet points about this is the uh, Board of Governors and the chair, Linda Livingstone, is I believe from Baylor came up with some bullet points asking Congress for three things. They want to prohibit athletes from being deemed employees. Please don't let some court tell us that we have to do this. Uh, they want to be, they basically want to be protected from antitrust scrutiny. And they want a federal law that supersedes state laws. There's a lot of different state laws as it pertains to name, image, and likeness. Let's dig into some of those things with Amanda Kristovich from Front Office Sports. She is a sports business reporter. She focuses on this. And I want to get to uh, the uh, the NCAA convention. So let's, let's start there. Are they asking the NCAA, rather, is the NCAA asking Congress to essentially codify, which is a big word on Capitol Hill these days, to codify the collegiate model here? Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And also, love the walk-up song. Um, <laughs> that's, all, that's all Victoria. I had nothing to do with that. Loved it. Um, but, yes, uh, the answer to that question is yes. Um, the NCAA hears the footsteps. They hear, um, you know, I mean, they have lawyers fighting in court to uh, two major federal court cases right now about the amateurism model. They saw what happened when they lost nine nothing uh, to the Supreme in the Supreme Court. Um, not you know there is not a lot of uh, bipartisan support on anything these days, with the exception of everyone hates the NCAA. Right. So that's exactly what they're doing with Congress. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to be able to get every a get enough. Uh, lawmakers attention and B if lawmakers are going to go for this because I'm not sure that they are even the most conservative ones you know, you know it's funny in the state of North Carolina one of the most conservative congressmen uh, was one of the ones leading the charge to have athletes being able to uh, realize their value in the marketplace I am curious did they read Justice Kavanaugh's concurring <laughs> opinion when he basically said how the heck have they been getting away with this for 60 years? Yeah, I mean, they absolutely are concerned about that opinion. Now, the NCAA is, is taking the position of, you know, so I'm not a lawyer, right? But one of the things that I've learned as a sports business reporter is that a concurring opinion is not like a doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. Kavanaugh's really strong opinion is not the law of the land. However, it was an invitation 
for other litigation to potentially move its way through the courts. Kavanaugh is basically begging athletes to bring him this issue so he can rule on it more directly, right? And the NCAA is saying, well, what Kavanaugh said doesn't really matter, right? Like his quote about how the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in any other industry. That's a direct quote. Um, they, they're saying that doesn't matter, right? And technically, legally, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. But the next time a case like this gets to the Supreme Court, um, you know, it's, it's important to note that one of the most conservative justices sounded like a very liberal college athlete advocate in his <laughs> concurring opinion. <laughs> That's not a good sign for the NCAA. Amanda Christovich from frontofficesports.com is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. How does Title IX play a role in all of this? Because uh, everything I read says this to me, that if we're going to uh, fully delve into name, image, and likeness, there are going to be Title IX issues. Where are we with that? Um, well, the place that we're at is that we actually don't know where, we're, where we are. Um, because, so the way that Title IX works is that every educational institution, right, like that receives federal funding, so every school is prohibited from discriminating on the basis of sex. So that means that what schools do is regulated by Title IX. It does not mean that what the NCAA does as a separate nonprofit entity or what third-party brands, advertisers, right. whoever, do NIL, you know, engage in NIL deals, Title IX does not apply to them. So what everyone's trying to figure out now is if and when Title IX could cross over into the NIL realm. There's one place where we for sure know that this is the case, and that's campus NIL resources. You cannot hire a, um, you know, an NIL coach or a brand <laughs> coach. You cannot offer a class to just the men's basketball team. You got to give it to the women, right? You got to offer it to the women's basketball team, too. But the question that's being asked of the Department of Education right now, actually, is whether or not NIL entities, a.k.a. NIL collectives, that are technically not, you know, part of a university, but uh, that are closely tied to a university and that often could be working with the athletic department, whether their actions could be subject to Title IX. Amanda Kristovich is joining us here from Front Office Sports. M my read on... This, I didn't want to even call it a controversy, but uh, why the schools have been against name, image, and likeness, and they're only here because they don't they don't really have another choice. Um, my read has been they're just afraid of losing money, and I understand that because theoretically, if I'm a company and I can just go to the the athlete and it doesn't cost me as much, I can just pay him or her as opposed to paying the school um, above and beyond that. I've always thought it would be added value as much as anything else. Um, but what about, uh, I'll just use, and I know you've written about this, I'll just use Adidas versus Nike. Um, North Carolina's a, a, a jump man school, but if I'm Adidas and I want to pay you know, a baseball player X amount of dollars to wear Adidas stuff, how does that work? Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Taruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? 
Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone can do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. In, in terms of even being allowed, I mean, the kid probably can't do it on campus, certainly not uh, during a game, but how does that work? Yeah, so in the beginning, you know, there are some states that have state NIL laws that say that a school um, can prohibit its athletes from signing NIL deals with companies that directly um, compete with the company, with, with uh, athletic department sponsors, right? Right. But what we've seen in practice is that it is totally kosher in the majority of cases for particularly an apparel sponsor to sign an athlete at a competing school. The question is whether or not they see that as a return on investment, right? Because Mm -hmm. as you said, if an athlete signs with Adidas, but they're at a Nike school, they can't wear Adidas in any like sport or school sponsored functions, right? But interestingly enough, some companies, you know, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour are in their own category. They're direct competitors because they're competing for athletic department sponsorships, right? There are other companies like Reebok, or there's this new women's basketball shoe brand called Moolah Kicks, for example, Mm -hmm. um, that are signing athletes knowing that at least in Division One, the athletes cannot wear their products during games. But with like the CEO of Moolah Kicks told me was she was like, that's actually a good thing, because we believe that to say that the athlete, when they have a choice, their choice is our company rather than the one that they're forced to wear. For right. What school they go to is actually a really powerful marketing ploy. Yeah, I was going to say that that's that's really that's a way around it. But smart, smart marketing. At the same time, before we let Amanda Kristovich go from frontofficesports.com, where do you think we are with this based on where we're headed? Like, how the more you dig into this, do you keep on, you know, like overturning more rocks and realize, oh my gosh, there's a giant hole here that we need to dig down? Like, how, where, how far do the tentacles reach here? Yeah, I mean, I think that NIL is. Really, um, obviously, it's the big story of today. It's not the big story of tomorrow, and here's why. Um, The question of whether or not college athletes can be deemed employees, which means that they can have all the employment rights afforded to the average employee in the United States, right? And also whether or not they can get salaries is going to be the story of tomorrow. And that's going to directly affect NIL and the power that NIL has. Because right now... NIL collectives and, you know, NIL is being used as a recruiting tool, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the only way athletes can get get paid. But if athletes are given some sort of salary or collective bargaining um, opportunities, then NIL is going to be less powerful because they're going to get paid by their schools. So to me, that's the biggest question. And it may be settled sometime this year, or at least we'll get a better indication before, uh, you know, the NCAA is going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court as high as it can go. Because they have such a great record there. Yes, exactly. See, that would be interesting because it actually might. What I've always wondered is if the schools are in a position right now to have everybody else pay the athletes where they don't have to, why wouldn't they just sign off on that? 
uh, because they clearly don't want to. Part of the reason why we haven't had NIL uh, is because the schools have wanted to keep all this money for themselves. That's my view of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, maybe that's too cynical. I don't think so. But now they have everybody else paying them, and they don't have to. Man, I'd be, I'd be like, all right, cool. We get to keep all this money for ourselves. But is this, is this just what, what's driving that? Well, I mean, the the schools. They're on the hook for way more than just paying athletes salaries if athletes are deemed employees, which is why NIL is, you know, right. actually, like you said, a good situation for them. They are going to have to provide, like, literally the phrase student athlete was created as a legal term right. to keep NCAA schools from being liable for paying workers' compensation, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, so they're, I mean, yeah, like they're probably looking at their budgets and going, yeah, we're not going to be able to pay our football coach $9 million a year if we also got to pay the football players and provide them more health care than we're already providing them. So um, ironically enough, they fought tooth and nail for no NIL. Now they're maybe realizing NIL is potentially the best of both worlds for them but you know this is the united states we have laws and uh people don't always follow the laws but it doesn't really matter what the schools want to do because the courts are probably going to decide for them especially if the ncaa keeps bringing them business exactly Uh, amanda kristovich you can follow her on twitter at a kristovich with an extra h on the end of it frontofficesports.com thank you so much we'll do it again thanks for having me I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.